didn't want to limit my income. I didn't want to limit my opportunities. I didn't want to limit my impact. And that was really where I made my decision mentally. This is what I want to do. I'm excited about building a legacy. I have an incredible team that I'm going into the year with. You can do whatever you want here. You can create whatever you want here. You are your only limiting factor. That's Alex Sylvester, one of the fastest rising stars in the Cutco Vector Marketing sales organization. Alex has a track record of exemplary leadership, both before and during his time with Vector. He has received some amazing mentorship from his first manager, Andy Noggle. But even with great guidance and a strong track record, the credit goes to those who are willing to do the work to actually succeed. And that's what Alex has proven in his short time with Vector. He was the company's number one performer in the rising star category for first full year managers in 2022. And he is excited to build on that legacy as a district manager. Get ready for some valuable insights from Alex Sylvester. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. My guest today is one of the young rising stars in the Cutco Vector Marketing Organization, Alex Sylvester, who is the district manager in South Richmond, Virginia, in the Titan division. Alex has been in the Cutco Vector business since just 2019, started with Andy Noggle in Virginia Beach. He had a very solid personal sales career. He worked very closely with Andy all throughout the year 2020 as a lead assistant in Andy's organization, which was one of the top teams in the company that year. And Alex became a district manager in 2021. In the new DM category for 2021, Alex was number two in the company. And this year in uh, 2022, this past year, Alex was number one in the first full year or rising star category by a wide margin. So he has earned his way into the Changing Lives, Selling Knives podcast through two consecutive years of outstanding performance. Alex Sylvester, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Dan. Yeah. Great to be able to get to know you in this way. And I really want to have our audience get to know you just to start because uh, you're pretty new in the business. Many of our listeners really haven't had a chance to get to know you. And so why don't you start out with a little bit on your personal background? 
Yeah. So grew up in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, over in Ocean View. Started growing up, was born 2001, and grew up in the same exact house for all 20 years before I finally moved out. And it was funny. We had four bedrooms in our house, and every year, uh, all of our siblings, we would switch bedrooms. So it felt like we were moving because we didn't get to move a lot. <laughs> and uh, we grew up less than a block away from the beach. So every day coming home from school during the summertime, the tradition was homework later, beach first. And uh, we would go hang out at the beach, build sandcastles, go have fun. So it was kind of like our routine and grew up there. Grandma lived right down the street. My uncle lived right down the street. So we all grew up in the same exact neighborhood. Went to Lake Taylor High School. That was my high school. I was a two-sport varsity athlete. I did tennis. I did cross-country. I also did JROTC. That was like a huge part of my identity. Broke a lot of records there in that program. It's kind of like a junior officer naval program. So funded by the Navy, funded by the North Public School System, and had a lot of leadership roles there. I was a, a cadet command master chief. So I ran all the enlisted programs. I was an executive officer for the officer side of things and helped run the program. I was the commanding officer for a year as well. So I was in charge of a battalion of 300 cadets. So I was in charge of uh, running meets. I was in charge of you know handling disciplinary actions, building culture, doing fun things. We used to do like community car washes for like all the teachers and you know raise money for cool stuff for the program. So I had a lot of fun there. Uh, that's where I feel like I learned a lot of my leadership skills. Leaving high school when I was uh, graduating, I got accepted for a full ride naval scholarship. So went to uh, they call it new student indoctrination. It's basically like boot camp for officers. So went to boot camp that summer in 2019 and earned my scholarship. We had a little over 400 people in that boot camp and we had 277 people graduate. Uh, it was my graduating class for that boot camp. So a lot of people dropped off and unfortunately didn't earn a scholarship and got to go to Norfolk State University on a, on a full ride for a semester and was a physics major around doing all of that. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like you had some amazing leadership experience from a very young age sort of like a quasi-branch manager experience uh, yeah, there at, uh, with, with the JROTC in, during the time you were in high school. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So then how did you end up hearing about Cutco Vector? Yeah, so Andy, of course, incredible recruiter. You know, that's where I learned a lot of my recruiting skills from. A bunch of my friends were doing the job at the time. You know, I just kept seeing every single week one of my other friends going through training, selling Cutco, making a couple hundred bucks their first weekend. And they kept asking me about it. And my initial response every time was, I'm not a salesperson. That's not my thing. I'm good. I enjoy what I do now. And I don't know why I enjoyed it. I worked at a pizza place for 8 bucks an hour and worked 40 hours a week around sports and school. So it was pretty miserable. And over and over and over again, I think on the seventh time I got asked, uh, one of my friends approached me. She was like, look, you need to grab a phone call with Andy. You need to just learn about the job. Even if you don't take it, just ask some questions. And I was like, okay, I'll grab a call with him, but I'm not off work until 11 o'clock tonight. That's when he can call me. If he really wants me here, he'll make the time. I was so entitled. It was horrible. <laughs> and Andy called me. You know, he called me right at 11 o'clock on the dot. And we talked for like an hour on the phone, just digging in. I, I was super curious. I kept asking questions and got set up for an interview. I showed up. Andy hired me. I still have my initial interview paper that he signed with my names and numbers assignment and my training time. It's like right there in the front of my blue book. So I always show that off and ended up showing up to training. And I was fired up. Second day of training, I quit my job. I called my pizza place and said, Hey, I'm not showing up on Monday. 
<laughs> outstanding outstanding so you went from i'm not a salesperson to being fully in before you even launched from training yeah andy said something in training on he used the pool analogy right it's like hey when your friends are all in the pool they're saying it feels great and you're trying to tiptoe in and it feels ice cold and you don't want to do it like you just need to take the leap and jump in and you're going to get results faster and what i learned was it's a numbers game like if i make the most phone calls in my training class i'm going to book the most demos i'm going to make the most sales I'm going to be the most successful. I create my own luck here. No one's going to limit me. So I was like, all right, I just need to go all in with this. I already have a full ride scholarship. It's not like I need the income. So let me just go for it. And worst case scenario, I'll just go back to my pizza place. And I went all in and never looked back. Outstanding. Tell us about some of the early experiences that stand out. Yeah. So I remember coming back from my interview for my first experience. And I was telling my mom about the job. And my mom kind of had this little bit of a worried look on her face, but she was always really supportive of anything I wanted to do because I was always trying new things. And so she wanted me to give it a shot. And my dad's first response uh, was, are you sure you can do that? How about you go sell this lumber stuff? You know, like at least you get a salary because one of his buddies was like working with a lumber company. And I was like, yeah, but I don't want a salary. I want to make my own income, dad. So it was like that initial response of this is outside of the normal for most people. And, you know, I wanted to challenge myself. I liked the challenge. I enjoyed things that challenged me. And this gave me an opportunity to challenge myself as much as I could, as or as much as I wanted, as much as I needed. First week on the job, I sold $7,700. So didn't break any records. I think one or two people in my training class beat me that week. I can't remember exactly who. And... You know, Andy was talking to me about assistant manager. I got promoted to a part-time AM or really an AMIT assistant manager in training after about three weeks. So I was like helping set people for interviews. I was learning how to run the business. And that's when I got a much closer relationship with Andy. And I was like, oh, there's a lot more to this vector and cutco thing than I thought there was. Like I thought I was just slinging knives. Like I'm having professional conversations. I'm setting people up for interviews. I'm learning how to run a business. I'm building from the ground up. And I I just learned how to build vision very early on. And it's like, hey, where we are now isn't where we're going to be two, three, four weeks from now. Isn't where we're going to be a couple months from now, a couple campaigns from now. And it was that excitement where like, hey, I can grind really, really hard for the next two weeks and create something really incredible over the next couple of years. That was really exciting for me. So that's one of my biggest early lessons. Yeah. And you mentioned developing a closer relationship with Andy. I know you ended up working very closely with him uh, throughout all of 2019 and throughout all of 2020 into 2021. What can you tell us about things you learned from Andy that that uh, really stand out? Man, Andy is like a father figure for me. Big brother really took care of me. Graduating high school, my parents separated. My dad moved out, moved to the Eastern Shore. And uh, I helped as much as I could to take care of bills at home. And my mom ended up having to move. So Andy was the person to take me in as an assistant manager at the time. Uh, So I was living with Andy um, around being his district office manager. And the closer I was with him, the more time I spent with him, I just loved his lifestyle. You know, the relationship he has with Alyssa, his wife, the type of lifestyle he has on running his business and building relationships with his representatives, the type of car that he drove. You know, I saw him in his BMW, I saw him in his Tesla. I was there when he got it. You know, I dropped him off at the Richmond dealership to get his Tesla. And I was just like, this is really incredible. You know, and I was also there in the early stages of the grind. I was there before 
Andy did do a million dollars in a year. I was there, you know, the year that we did $998,000 or something. And we were insanely close. And it was exciting to, to see him build that, to help him build that and build an incredible team. And I just loved everything about his life. And I was like, I just want this, right? I love the freedom. I love the lifestyle. I love the travel. I love the Rolex. And that was exciting for me. Yeah. Well, it's pretty cool that uh, you're able to have such a great relationship with him uh, at a very young age. Yeah. And at a, at a time where, as you referenced, it was really necessary for you, right? As your as your parents were going in separate directions and and you were left there in that area on your own uh, to have had somebody like Andy take you in, as you said, and really mentor and guide you and spend that time with you. It's pretty powerful that you had that opportunity. Yeah, it helps so much. I mean, it was something that was really unexpected, you know, nothing I, I would never expect of anybody to do for me. And I remember him and Alyssa sitting me down like, Hey, why don't you move in with us for a little while and, you know, get back on your feet. And, you know, I'm forever indebted to him for, because of that. So, yeah. Yeah. Tell me more about some of your memories of, uh, your sales rep time, your assistant manager time working closely with Andy, just, uh, anything from those first couple of years that, uh, that you want to share. Yeah. So um, as a sales rep, this is back in, I, I say back in like it was forever ago, but it feels like it, you know, the in-person days of everything. And I would drive like my max was two hours. So I would drive two hours to go do appointments and go do service calls. And I was always an aggressive learner. I asked Andy a lot of questions. I always wanted to earn more. I always wanted to make more. I wanted to impact more people. And Early on, Andy learned that I was very competitive. So we pulled up all of his old sales reports from when he was a sales rep. And we created a week-by-week play program of what he sold every single week. And because there was really nobody in the office at the time that I could really compete with, that I was excited to compete with. So I was like, oh, let me just compete with Andy. I just want to beat Andy. You know, If I just keep beating Andy every single week, I'm going to end up succeeding at his level. So we just created this like 52-week play program of everything he sold. I had it in my office, in my private office space at his office. And I would just check box off every time I beat his sales week. And that was the goal. I just needed to beat Andy. That was really fun. There's always ups and downs. Uh, There's times where we were frustrated because something didn't work out or people didn't show up to an interview that we had a bunch of people set for. And Andy just never got frustrated. He never got angry. You know, he never got upset. I've never seen Andy upset or stressed out. It's insane. And he just learned or taught me how to handle that, how to handle my stress, how to handle frustration. And I just never saw a worried look on Andy's face. And we would go out for lunch and just hang out. And, you know, we would chill out for an hour or two and then be like, all right, cool. Now let's get back to the office and get some work done. We're going to show up so much better because of this. And it was always protecting yourself first and making sure your energy was right. And then going from there, that was really exciting and something I I taken with me running my own office as an assistant manager. I got to work with some awesome other assistant managers. We had incredible times during push periods, waking up at six o'clock in the morning to be at the office on time for early morning Alliance, seven days a week. And we would shotgun Red Bulls and we would blast music and it was loud phone jams. We had 20 people in an office and a thousand square foot office space phone jamming. That was just insane. It's bullets flying. And it's just finding the fun in, in between it and just enjoying the process and not focusing on results. That was a big part of me for AM. And being his district office manager in 2020, we broke a ton of records when Andy was in Paris. 
uh, for his national trip. And that was the part where I was like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm really good at this. And kind of just started building the way of me running my own office. Yeah. Outstanding. Man, I'm just struck by the, the way you worked so closely with Andy during those first two years. And, and I'm just thinking about how any manager listening to this can be thinking about who are the, the young Alexes on their team that they can latch onto in the way that Andy did, not necessarily taking you in to live in the, you know, in, yeah. in the house, obviously, you know, that's, that's a pretty rare thing, but latching onto someone and guiding them and mentoring them and building that relationship. It's just such a powerful thing that we do in Vector as district managers. And I think every, every district manager listening probably has a few young Alexes in their organization right now that could use that guidance and mentorship that could become great as you have with the right influence. And, you know, not everybody provides that influence in the way that Andy did. So again, you were really lucky that uh, you came into an organization with such a quality leader that was, that was there for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Andy just, he never gave up. He never gave up on me if I had a bad week. He never gave up on me if I had a bad PR set week. He was never angry. He was never upset. He was never frustrated. It was like, hey, this is what happens. What did we learn? How can we get better? What are we doing moving forward? What, what's our next move? And it was just this always strategy mindset of growing and consistent growth over time where it gave me confidence to just get better and just not worry about the past. Yeah. And let me add this, that just as we can recognize Andy for his great commitment to you, you did the work. You hung in there. You followed through. You worked through the challenges, right? You never quit, right? Like you did all the things that Andy was looking to inspire you to do. And that's something not everybody can say. There's a lot of people that get great mentorship and guidance and don't do anything with it. It's one of the most frustrating things as a leader and vector when you see that. Right. Yeah. So, you know, kudos to you for doing all the things and becoming great, you know, over those couple of years that you worked with him. Thank you. Yeah. So what I understand is that your path in life was to be a naval officer, right? Like that was where you were going through, you know, junior ROTC and high school into ROTC, your full ride at Norfolk State, right? This was what you were going to do with your life. And somehow over the course of the first, uh, I don't know, 12 months or so in Vector, that changed. Is that right? Yeah. It changed yeah. pretty quick. Like, tell us about how that transformation occurred. Yeah. So, I mean, the overall military vision, it wasn't always being a military officer. Originally, I wanted to be enlisted and it was always between Marine Corps or Navy. I grew up in Norfolk. It's the biggest naval base in the US. So we're surrounded by it. And that was just kind of a big passion doing JRTC through high school. I had an incredible leader. I had, uh, you know, my Captain Garrett. I had Master Chief Clark. I had my warrant officer and just people I really looked up to that, that gave me a lot of guidance when it came to the military and how to do things properly and prepare for it. And that was a big part of my identity. So I still cut my hair the way that I do. And, you know, I just really embraced it. And it wasn't until probably my junior or senior year of high school that my captain and my master chief approached me about applying for an officer scholarship. So I applied to the Naval Academy. I applied to different sets of Naval scholarships that you can earn and full rides. Unfortunately, did not get accepted to Naval Academy. I couldn't get a congressman nomination in time, but ended up getting the Naval scholarship. 
And you know, I did the whole boot camp thing. And my first summer on the job, Andy, of course, did the normal you know manager talk of, "Hey, have you ever thought about being a branch? Have you ever thought about being a DM?" And that was never really in the cards for me, even as a you know naval officer in training, a midshipman is what we call it. Every summer, you have to go on a month, essentially active duty deployment. And that wasn't really ideal for running a branch. So I just always told Andy, hey, this isn't really something I'd look for in a career. I know what I want to do. I've worked for a decade of my life to earn this scholarship. I have it. Why would I give up a full ride scholarship? There's thousands on thousands on thousands of people across the country that work for this and don't earn it. You know, And I did. And I don't want to throw that away. And going through my first semester of college, I really breezed through it. I had almost straight A's and didn't really study. I hated studying, but did really well in school, built great relationships, did really well in ROTC. And I started building this camaraderie. And eventually, my lieutenant said something where she was a lieutenant, no three. And she's been a lieutenant for 10 years. And I remember asking her, why hasn't she gotten promoted? And her answer was, well, the Navy just doesn't need it right now. And something clicked in me where I was like, okay, I cannot work in a place where I'm going to be limited by the organization. And I don't want to limit my opportunities or be the best person out there and they just can't promote me. That's not fair. I didn't want to limit my income. I didn't want to limit my opportunities. I didn't want to limit my impact. So that was one of my first kind of pillars falling over for my dream was, okay, one of those things just isn't standing out for me anymore. Then we went to... We had Olean Push. I remember going to Olean and just hearing a bunch of incredible speakers, meeting our CEOs, meeting Scott Dennis for the first time in person was awesome. And I had a really long talk with Scott. I had a really long talk with Dan Miller, you know, our, uh, our, our sales promotion manager. And Dan, prior Army, you know, I'd really dug in with them about like, hey, how was your transition from Army to Cutco and what you do now? And obviously, his experience is a little bit different because, you know, sales representative and things like that, but really dug in. And he gave me a lot of really good insight on what the differences were and what the comparisons were, you know, what the similarities were with the, the family and the leadership opportunities. And I can't remember exactly what, what Scott was saying that night in his speech. We were at the old library. We were doing all the branch manager promotions and DM promotions. But he said something along the lines of, you can do whatever you want here. You can create whatever you want here. You are your only limiting factor. And as soon as he said that, I wrote in my journal, and I still have my journal somewhere in my office, of what do I need to do to be a district manager? And I put a question mark on it and I circled it a million times in a different color pen. And Brian and Andy were sitting behind me at another table and I handed my journal back to them. And they wrote a couple of notes on it and some things I need to look out for and people I need to speak to before leaving Olean. And that was really where I made my decision mentally. Like I was like, all right, this is what I want to do. It was just a light switch that just clicked. By the time I got back to Virginia, I had convos with my lieutenant. I had convos with my counselors about school. And we decided, hey, let's give this one more semester. You know, we're about to start the semester off anyway. Let's give it one more. Let's see if anything changes. You know, school's paid for anyway. There's nothing out of my pocket. Let's see what happens. And going into my first week of my second semester, met my English 102 professor. She comes in and says, hey, there's a 75 page essay you need to do. You have one of four topics, and none of the topics I really agreed on. So it wasn't going to be a fun essay for me. 
And she was like, oh, by the way, this is worth 70% of your grade or something. So if you fail this essay, you fail my class. I have a 90% fail ratio in my class. And she was like proud of it. And I'm not going to say her name for, for privacy, but she was like really proud of it. And for some reason, that just, that really ticked me off. So I remember sitting in class, you know, 100 people in this classroom, and I just shut my laptop, threw it on my bag, and I walked out, said, yeah, I'm done. And went straight to my lieutenant. I said, hey, what do you need for me? She's like, go pack your sea bag, bring it back. So I drove all the way home, packed my sea bag, packed all my Navy gear, brought it back, dropped it off. Went to my counselors. I said, hey, drop me from all of my course loads. I'm done. I'm going home. And uh, from there, I went home, grabbed my office stuff, went straight to the office, and I got to work. And I said, <laughs> Andy, what do, you, what do you need me to do? And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I'm done. I'm not, not in school anymore. I'm here full time. What do you need me to do? And from there on out for weeks, I was basically at the office at 8 a.m. in the morning and didn't leave till 10 p.m. at night. And then I just grinded and learned as much as I could. What a story, man. I, I just, I loved hearing that. And thank you for sharing that in detail. That was just so cool. Um, yeah. And I think about that teacher and like the negative motivation that she was trying to employ. And unfortunately, that style of motivation is not necessarily rare. That happens in a lot of places, not just at schools, but in a lot of companies where people try to motivate others in a negative way. And it's just de-energizing, right? It just like sucks the energy out of you. And it's just not something that I think works. And I think that's a good lesson for vector leaders to think about as well here is, you know, what are the the tactics and strategies you use in motivating your sales reps? And I and I just think that motivating people towards a positive vision is always more important than is always better and more effective than trying to motivate people away from some negative outcome. So yeah. to say like, I have a 90% fail ratio, uh, to me is a gross, it's a terrible view of like how that teacher actually performs, right? It's a, yeah, just a, I agree. <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. So you committed full on at this point. And then, you know, as, as we've referenced, you worked very closely with Andy for a while. You went out as a district manager at the start of the summer of 2021. Yeah. So you had eight months in 2021. Uh, you finished number two in the company for that time period. Shout out to Ethan Campbell, right? I know you uh, probably don't like that, but you know. <laughs> yeah, no, he earned it. Shout he out to Ethan. It was, yeah. it was a battle to the end, though. If you ask yeah. him, he was, he was getting a little worried at the end. <laughs> but he got yeah, yeah, that's cool. And then you back that up. I mean, number two, let's, let's make this clear, Alex. Number two is awesome in a competition with that many amazing people nationwide. And then you back that up with a solid number one throughout 2022 in our first full year group. This race was not close. So you've got a great track record of excellence so far, your first two years as a district manager. I'd love to unpack a little bit about what you think are your strengths that have uh, enabled you to succeed at a high level. So I think if you ask Brian or Andy, one of my biggest strengths is my work ethic. I think it's what I'm known for in my division. I might not be the smartest individual. I might not know everything and I might not be the most experienced, but I am very confident I will outwork anybody. I will get to the office before you. I will leave the office after you and I will grind until something happens. I will figure it out. And if I don't know, I'm curious. I ask questions. I know I don't know everything. I know I'm very new in the business. But I do know there's a lot of incredible people in our organization and outside of organization that I can go to and ask questions and just get help. I'm not afraid to ask for help. I'm not afraid to say I don't know. 
So I was always asking Andy questions. I'm always asking Brian questions. I'm always asking, you know, Scott Dennis questions. And I'm just always curious. And I, I always want to get better. I always want to learn more. I would say my biggest, my second biggest strength would be recruiting. And that's something I just naturally learned from Andy was being an aggressive recruiter. You know, if you get enough people into the business and you impact enough people and you help enough people get what they want, you will eventually get what you want. You know, Al says that all the time. Mr. Aldi, shout out. And I just wanted to help people. I, I didn't worry about the income. I wasn't worried about if I could put food on my table necessarily. Like as long as I can keep the lights on and I have a place to lay my head, I don't need fancy things. I don't need a fancy home. I don't need a fancy suit. Just let me impact people. Let me talk to people. And I know that if I recruit enough people, you're going to get the 10K fast starters. You're going to get the 15K fast starters. You're going to get the people that are fired up to be here. You're going to get the people that want to stay long-term. That'll just happen naturally. And it's you know finding those needles in a haystack. And if you pick up enough hay, you're going to find enough needles. Mm -hmm. For sure. There's a Jim Rohnism where he says, uh, make up in effort what you lack in skill. And I think that that is a great lesson for anybody who's new at anything. As a new district manager, right? You were referencing that you were working very hard, right? I think there's a little too much tendency from people these days to like want to somehow avoid that step of life, right? Avoid yeah. that part of like the, the hard work part, right? Like that is a natural part of trying to become great as an entrepreneur in anything. And it's true here for sure. And being willing to put in the effort, particularly when you're new, right, is you, you're, you're making up with the effort what you might lack in skill. Now, when you combine that with the curiosity that you referenced to get good at things, that's where you can speed up your learning curve so that you don't have to work super hard forever, right? And that's the goal. Like, we don't want anybody in Vector working 15, 16 hour a days for the next yeah. two, two decades, but mm -hmm. for two years... Or longer than two years? Yeah, for sure. Like I did. So yeah. I hope that people can take that to heart. And then what you get good at first, if you want to be great in this business, is the recruiting side. It's the front end side because that provides you the opportunity to learn the development side with lots of opportunities for success and failure, right? You probably had some reps yeah. where you've said the right things and it's worked. You've had other reps where you've said the wrong things and you, you know, you kind of kill them in the business accidentally. Right. 100%. Uh, and you learn that way, but you with, through strong recruiting, right. You have that opportunity and you, obviously you follow in the footsteps of Andy and Brian who are awesome in that area. Right. And so that's something that you got good at. And then, and then I love what you said about just caring about the impact, because when you recruit a lot of people and you combine that with really caring, right. AGAS is one of my acronyms. I like to use actually give a shit right? Yeah. You, you combine strong recruiting with actually giving a shit, you're going to put the effort into develop people and you're going to end up having good results. That's a great formula for success for a new manager. And it seems like you've got that, that right blend going for you here so far in your young career. Yeah. And Dan, I think you mentioned something really good there. Yeah, I think uh, the way a lot of people think of it is they go into something and if they're not immediately good at it, they think it's just not meant for them. But the reality is, is like you weren't born a BMX star. Like you didn't, you weren't riding a bike out of your mother's womb and doing tricks. Like somebody held your hand along the way. Somebody taught you how to ride a bike. Somebody taught you how to swim. And it takes time and effort. 
I wasn't the best district manager my first week out. I was getting blown out of the water. I haven't had the biggest week out of every DM. There are many DMs in my category that have had way bigger weeks than I have. But the purpose was, is I've continued to be consistent in my effort, continue to be consistent in my curiosity to continue to get better. Yeah. Excellent. Great points right there. And great lessons for anybody who wants to be successful in Vector or any place else. What are some of the most exciting things that have happened here as you're with your team over the last the last two years? What stands yeah. out? Man, we got to start from the beginning. You know, being a Fredericksburg DM was my first office, very small territory. Uh, we had 27 zip codes starting off. Um, that, that's in between Richmond and Fairfax, right? Is yeah. it, so I was is it, is it still is it still in the cool southern half of Virginia or is it in the not as it's cool northern middle area? You know, if you go out to like Stafford and a little bit farther north, you're in Nova. But if you go into like southern Spotsylvania, you're in like South Virginia. So very middle ground, very odd dynamic for sure. But I remember running my first office and I was just so gung ho and I had a lot of energy, but I was so focused on the numbers. And I was just constantly like, hey, we're going to sell this much. We're going to sell this much. We're going to sell this much. And I never asked how somebody was feeling. It's like all this work I did to build relationships just went out the door when I became a DM. I thought it didn't matter. So my first three weeks out, I think we shipped a total of like, I think it might even been my first four or five weeks out, we shipped a total of like a grand. We got (laughs) completely destroyed. And Dan, that was on top of launching like... 20 or 30 recruits in three weeks, like horrible results. Nobody wanted to work with me. Everybody quit within like 24 hours. And, you know, when I finally started to figure out what I was doing wrong, yeah, now Andy brought it up. It's like, hey, when's the last time you just checked in with your people and stopped worrying about sales? And, you know, I was like constantly looking at the silver cup race and constantly looking at leaderboards. And eventually I got really upset with myself and I'm like, what have I turned into? And I stopped looking at silver cup reports. I stopped looking at weekly sales details. I just focused on my people and what they were gaining from the job. And as soon as I made that switch, we did $10,000 in new business the very next week. It was the weirdest thing. And then we just did 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, like the rest of the summer. And we all of a sudden we were, you know, in the bottom half of the silver cup race to now we're in the top 10 to, oh crap, we're in the top five to, oh man, we're competing for a silver cup. And it was that focus change of, oh, let me focus on my people. Everything else will work itself out. And we just started to pop off. And my people were the ones that were advertising the goal, not me. Hmm. You know, I didn't have to say we were going for a silver cup anymore. My people were, my AMs were, my reps were, and they were excited about it. So that was a huge change. And then even this year, you know, what's been exciting is, going on really cool trips with my reps. You know, we brought five reps from our office to our our most recent trip in the Bahamas. I decided to treat my SMRAs and I bought all of my SMRAs day passes to Bush Gardens and we all took a day to Bush Gardens at the end of the summer to, you know, just have a final hoorah to the summer and congratulate them. And of course, very expensive contests. I probably won't do something that expensive again or very easy to hit. But that was exciting. That was fun for them. We were, we built great relationships. And you know those SMRAs have been with me since the beginning of the year. They're going to be with me going into next year. They're so much more experienced. They're so much more talented. Like I have an incredible team that I'm going into the year with. And that's one of, been one of the exciting growths that I've seen is every year, every campaign, my staff has gotten a little bit bigger. The people I've been able to impact has gotten a little bit bigger. And as long as I see that linear growth, I'm excited about it. Yeah. 
Cool stories. I mean, the struggle of the first few weeks is a not an unusual one to hear from new managers. And uh, it's, it's great to hear that uh, you found your way through that by uh, investing in and focusing on the people that you had uh, with you. And that typically tends to bring someone around when they, when they can get off self and on purpose is what uh, one of my old colleagues used to always say. And uh, I think that's a, that's a great lesson as well. Uh, anybody you want to shout out, Alex, that's been a part of your journey here so far? Man, I got so many people. I mean, obviously, my, my biggest shout out is Andy. He has taken care of me like his son these past few years and has really molded me into the manager that I am today. And we lean into each other. Even through COVID, we started running you know, district trainings together. We were running trainings, team meetings, events together because we have very similar styles. So that's been incredible to have a, a millionaire district manager, a vet DM who's been in the business for over a decade that I can lean into and partner with. And we've gone from this relationship of, of boss to rep, manager to rep to, you know, we're partners in the business. We're building something together. So that's been a really exciting. You know, I got to recognize Brian, obviously my DVM, love Brian to death. He has very similar origin story to me. Grew up from humble beginnings, you know, still great childhood and created something, you know, worthy. And that's been incredible to, to see Brian do that and be a part of that, be a part of that vision in Virginia and build a, an incredible culture here. I need to recognize my parents. Even with everything going on, they continue to love me. They continue to reach out. They continue to communicate. And once they figured out this is what I wanted to do, they, they supported me fully. You know, They said, hey, if this is what you want to do. If this is where you're happy. Go do it. You know, Don't leave this place. So that's been awesome. I want to recognize uh, Andy's wife, Alyssa, for taking care of me. You know, she's been awesome. Every time I've been sick, uh, I've gotten hurt. I hurt my arm a couple of years back and snapped my arm in two and was like bedridden, couldn't do anything. Alyssa was there taking care of me. I got COVID. Alyssa was taking care of me and cooking me meals. Basically just got adopted into the Nagel household. I need to change my last name eventually, but you know, <laughs> they really did. They, they took care of me like parents. And uh, I'm so grateful for that because if it wasn't for them, I don't, I don't know where I'd be right now. And I got to recognize my girlfriend. I've been together almost two years now. Miss Hannah Brown. She was. Uh, we were both assistant managers together. Met through the Vector opportunity. You know, she did an incredible branch summer when I went out to become a DM. And she's continued to support me through all of this through the late nights, the long days. She's seen it from the beginning of me building my office and building the organization to what it is now and what it's going to become. And she's been so incredibly supportive and uh, has done more than I could ever ask for to support that. Yeah. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, as you look into the future, Alex, what uh, are you most excited about? I'm excited about building a legacy. I'm excited to go into 2023 and compete for a second silver cup. I'm excited to build an incredible district team. You know, I have an incredible staff going into this year with Miss Chloe Garland, one of my 15K fast starters, Ethan Cotter, who is probably one of the most consistent reps I've ever trained. I have Luke Costley that's going to be moving into a CSP role at our office, which is going to really help us hit a million dollars. Mr. Shane Stevenson, who was my very first rep I ever trained, who is still with me from the beginning. Don't know why, but really insane. He's still with me, still here. And he has seen the change of the office and he's excited going into this year. Even Miss Sam Flippo, who was one of my first estimate raise I ever hired, do now is one of my top representatives and is now one of my assistant managers in my office. Again, one of those people who was just with me from the beginning. So it's it's fun to find those few people that are with you from the beginning to the people that are here now to what we're going to create as a team together in 2023 and beyond. 
Our goal this year is to do a million dollars. The goal next year with our district development and branches and you know, possibly putting out a DM as well next year, which I think would be pretty fired up to create a two to three million dollar district team. You know, our our goal in South Richmond is to create a division within our district and kind of force the company's hand. So, you know, Al Scott, if you're listening, I want to be a DVM. Uh, <laughs> but we want to create that for, for ourselves. And we want to create a South Richmond legacy that, that's not going to be forgotten for years to come. Well, you're, you're well on your way, Alex. And as I think about those people you recognize that are with you, there's going to be people in that group that are going to look at you the same way you look at Andy in the years ahead as one of the most significant influences, if not the most significant influence in their life. And that's a very, very powerful legacy right there that you're already building. And I know that's only going to multiply in the years ahead. So congratulations on all your great success. And thank you so much for being part of the podcast here. Yeah. Thanks so much, Dan. Alex Sylvester, everybody. What a quality example of the kind of amazing young leaders that are growing up in the Cutco Vector Marketing Organization. So many great insights from such a young leader. Alex referenced in evaluating his opportunity to work as a district manager versus what he was thinking about in terms of a Navy career. He didn't want to be limited by the organization. He didn't want to have his impact limited either. And earlier in the uh, conversation, in talking about starting out selling Cutco, he said that he told one of his parents, I don't want a salary right? Alex wanted to be in control of his future and his destiny. And I think about how many people want to chase guarantees. And whenever there is a floor, there are typically also thick walls and a low ceiling. And one of the things that's great about the vector opportunity is that there is no ceiling and you can make of it what you want. Now, You have to have that right mix that Alex described of work ethic combined with curiosity, and it helps to have amazing mentors as Alex had. He referenced after we were done that when he told Andy he wanted to be a district manager, Andy gave him a checklist of everything he needed to learn to become great. I've said over and over again how amazing it was for Alex to have had such a great mentor like Andy. But let me also underscore that Alex then went to work and did all of that checklist. He started checking everything off, learning everything he had to learn. He did the work. He took the guidance, the mentorship, the teachings of the great leaders around him, and he put it into action. And there's no replacement for that in life. So kudos to Alex for doing the work and becoming great and Great shout out to Andy Noggle for the amazing mentorship he provided. If you want to hear more about Andy and his story, he was featured on the podcast in episode number 338. Thanks everybody for listening today. Hope you enjoyed getting to know Alex Sylvester. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. 
For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. 